stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's senior strategist, Kevin Cook, to discuss a lot of different things about what's going on out there right now. Let's just say the future of FANG and the growth stock names. Where are the growth stocks going? Is this the end of growth at any cost? Are we done paying 100 times earnings for some of these stocks? I don't know. But Kevin and I have been discussing this off off the off the air, I guess is the term. And it sounds to me a little bit like this could be a replay of the Nifty 50. Now, I've done a podcast on the Nifty 50 in the past, but some of you may have joined us more recently because it was a while ago and I wanted to talk about the Nifty 50 again. So this is a good opportunity because the Nifty 50 is a term that was given for the hottest growth stocks of the 1960s and 1970s. Although if you Google it, it's also the name of the Indian stock market. So just ignore that for now. But you also will find nifty 50 stocks from the 60s and 70s. And what they were were the large cap growth names that everyone was told just buy and hold these these 50 or so stocks. They're kind of the sure things of the time. They're the fang of the 60s and the 70s. And if you buy these and just hold them, you'll be fine. Everything will will be great. They will go up. You'll be rich. You know, you know the story, the usual. And they were chosen because they were considered cutting edge at the time. And these were all the ones, all the companies doing innovating things. Um, they were new, newer companies, either in like restaurants or retail, and a lot of the um, changes that were going on in healthcare with the drug stocks, a lot of innovation going on there. So a lot of them were on the list. Can, and you, can you name some of those, Tracy? Just yeah, so. yeah, 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 for sure. So a lot of the big names were like Eli Lilly was on there, Avon, Johnson & Johnson, McDonald's, Pfizer, Polaroid, Schlumberger, Texas Instruments. Polaroid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Polaroid. Was Kodak? No, but Xerox was. Okay. For some reason, Kodak, I didn't see it on there. Um, 3M, IBM, Coke, Dow Chemical, some of the names that I saw on the list, because this is just a list put together by the internet, because it wasn't like a set thing. Right. It's kind of like Fang today. It's it's either 1A or 2, or is NVIDIA yeah. in there, or as the N or not? Is Are there two Ns? I don't know. But there's... But it was the same concept yeah. of... These are such hot growth areas. These stocks are going up forever. Yes. And you hold, you buy and hold them forever. Yes. And everything will be fantastic. <laughs> and by the end, by 1972, they were trading, I think, on average of about 50 times the PE. But mm-hmm. that was considered okay because they were growth. And, I mean, think about an early early 70s McDonald's like that had tremendous growth at the time and so why wouldn't you pay a lot to get that the same similar argument we've seen several times since then (laughs) in the late 1990s but especially recently with the fang like oh of course I'm going to pay you know 40 times for Facebook or Google or Amazon or even other growth names like people are still paying 40 times for Chipotle and, you know, 30 times for TripAdvisor and some of those other names. So but you do pay the higher valuations for growth. That's why they're not value stocks. But they they got that average value of 50 times and they kept trying to justify it in 
you know, the early 70s by, but there's the growth. We don't care what we pay. And then the bottom kind of fell out. And by the 73, 74 super bear market that happened, these stocks started getting hammered. They went down and then they kept going down and down and down. Finally hit a bottom, but several of them took anywhere between 10 to 15 years just to get back to their former highs. Not surprising. Valuations came way down. A lot of them were value stocks by the early 1980s, along with basically the entire stock market at that time. But you saw single-digit valuations with a lot of them. So if you did do the buy and hold sure thing, you were in a lot of pain throughout the next 10 to 15 years with these. So I have a question for you. Now, we can we can talk about a similar thing happening with the NASDAQ bubble of 2000. Yes. And what led up that and, and dot com and all that. Now, you but you talked about the 60s and 70s, the nifty. You were not old enough to be trading those stocks. No. Um, <laughs> but, but did you know that story in... 1999, 2000, and did it did it help you, or were you aware of what that this had happened before? I did know the story, but I did ignore it <laughs> at the time because I was like, "Oh, Johnson Johnson was in there. It's not Cisco. Cisco right. is like modern and Intel, Microsoft. Yeah, they, those are the cutting edge. What what Xerox, Polaroid? Like, why why would I care what happened to right. those? This back is then? different, right? Right. So so yes, I I will reveal in the late 1990s into 2000, actually. So the the bust was kind of already happening in the dot coms. I I started to buy Microsoft in 2000, right when it was busting. And obviously the valuation was very high at the time, but because I was thinking, oh, the growth is here. This is this great company. This is the future. Yeah. Uh, How could this go wrong? Except, of course, now we know (laughs) it was probably the worst time you could be buying it. Um, but I took a look at the chart to kind of see what was happening with Microsoft during that whole time. I know that it didn't do anything because I owned it for several years and then I finally couldn't take the pain. I was even dollar cost averaging into it, but the shares literally went nowhere. If everyone goes back and looks mm-hmm. at that chart, like, like those stocks didn't even come back in the next cycle, no. the 2007 highs, no, not even close. So then I, I didn't even last till 2007, not even close. I think it was like 2004, maybe, maybe 2005. Cut the pain. Yeah, I think they started paying. That's when they announced the dividend, at least, to reward those of us who were still hanging out. But I was like, no, that's not even, I can't do it. And so I finally just got out of that. But I took a look, and between... I took a look between 2001, so January 1st, 2001, and then I went all the way up to 2014 just to kind of see what happened in the Great Recession and all that, and because the chart looked pretty flat throughout that whole time. So the shares were up during that time, so that's 13 years, 22.5%. So it's pretty bad. That's not with the dividend. So it might be a little better with the Mm -hmm. dividend reinvested. S&P, though, is up only 30.5 during that same okay, time period, so. too. So it underperformed, but mm-hmm. not awfully. But when you think about that length of time, 13 years, and you're only getting 22.5%, that's very similar to what happened in the Nifty 50 stocks. Mm-hmm. They they crashed down, and then they didn't go, many of them, not all of them, but many of them didn't go anywhere either for the same amount of time. 
And even like a stock like Johnson & Johnson, I think that one took the longest time to get back <laughs> to its high. And this for Microsoft isn't even getting back to its high for that period that I just randomly chose. Then the stock started to perform better in 2014. So their business model was changing. They got new CEO a couple years ago and that helped too. And then I looked at the longer charts. So from January 1st, 2000, all the way through October 1st, 2018 of this year, the shares are up 116% during that time. During what period? Uh, January 1st, 2000 through okay. October 1st of this year. So almost 18 full years, <laughs> up 116%. But the S&P during that time up 91%. So it is now beating the S&P. And this, again, is without the dividend reinvested. So you would have been doing a little bit better. Because it does pay the nice dividend and, now. and was that Microsoft you were talking about? Yes. Yeah. I remember in 2012, um, a well-known value investor named Jeff Ubin, who runs a, a fund called Value Act, he's sort of a quiet Warren Buffett that you won't hear about, uh, maybe uses a Graham Dodd model, and he picks very few stocks, he concentrates, and he, he picks value. He... When he plunked down $2 billion in Microsoft shares at $25, and that was revealed in like uh, early 2012, that kind of you know huh. perked up my interest. Yeah. I thought, wow, what, what does he know? What does he think here? And, yeah. he, and obviously, he was right to follow there. Yeah. In 2012, I didn't write it down, but I think the PE, the forward PE was something like um, 13 or 14 times at that time. Because by 2008, Microsoft had a PE of 10. This is just the median for the year. Mm -hmm. 2009, it was 13. 2010, it was 11.5. So, And then it started inching up as they uh, changed their business model. And then everybody started pouring in there. So by 2016, it was trading at 19 times. Last year, 22 times. And now 2018, it's at 24 times back into that kind of growth PE land. Mm -hmm. And it's now is considered the growth stock once again. Yeah. One, so it's done like a full cycle. Right. And one that's also considered still blue chip enough. You know, you can you can own it. Obviously, lots of investors own it in different portfolios, yeah. you know, that are considered, um, you know, moderately safe or, um, you know, uh, not not, uh, not chasing high PEs, right? Right. right. Not, not chasing growth. It's just steady Right. Because they because of their cloud business, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But this one, I mean, Microsoft was definitely much more expensive in the late nineties. Yeah. Again, just like the nifty fifties, nobody cared what they were paying for it because that growth was expected to continue on forever and ever. And it was, you know, on the cover of every magazine, like we see some people today. So while we're while you were talking here, it it made me think of this uh, classic image that you can find on the internet of the cycles of market manias, right? Yeah. There's the, you know, the market is climbing up, uh, you know, it's, you're getting media attention, there's a uh, public enthusiasm, then you hit greed, delusion, new paradigm, yeah. <laughs> you know, euphoria, yeah. right? Yeah. And then when the market cracks and starts to roll over, then there's denial, you know, there's a, you know, uh, People think, oh, we're going to go back to normal. Then there's fear, capitulation, and despair. Right. And then that lasts for five to 10 years yeah. in some of these stocks. So, so where are we now? I mean, well, that's kind of why I wanted to do this because we've had a bit of a rollover now in the growth names. Not all of them, but a lot of the growth names have started to 
yeah. to capitulate. I think if I tell totally. you a, a personal story about one stock in particular, okay, it will kind of encapsulate everything we're talking about right now. Okay, and that, that stock is Nvidia. Okay, Nvidia makes the the graphics cards that not only fuel high speed gaming with fantastic graphics, but it also is they also are the engines for artificial intelligence and in, in data centers and crunching big data. Um, I have owned NVIDIA on and off for a portfolio here at Zach's, my Taser portfolio, and we made good money trading the swings from $100 in 2017. And earlier this year, after the first correction, market correction we had, I was like, wow, this is a great buying opportunity. Yeah. And we loaded up at NVIDIA around $235. And I said, don't worry, guys, we're hanging on to this for a while. You know, this is not, it's not cheap like Apple but it's it's got that same kind of growth appeal because yeah. of everything going on in data centers and artificial intelligence gaming you know, yeah and we had new uh, universities and corporations creating you know new systems um, you know you uh, you could you could beat the uh, the game of go the Chinese game of go and uh, you know with that could never have never been done before with uh, you know with uh, yeah. artificial intelligence so uh, amazing things happening, and I remember I, I'm gonna in September. I told my people, "Hey, we're gonna hang on to Nvidia." I thought about selling at 295, selling some, yeah, but then a, uh, an investment bank called Evercore ISI came out and raised their price target from 300 to 400. Now me. I don't just say, okay, well, the analyst must be right. It doesn't mean it's going to 400, but right. I thought it created the sentiment that, yeah, now this stock can finally break above 300, and we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll ride it to 350. Uh, on September 28th, I wrote to my people, NVIDIA rocket to 350. Are you on board? And I told <laughs> uh -oh. them people are not going to sell. <laughs> and then, and then, you know what happened? We went into the October correction, and NVIDIA was one of the Darling growth stocks that just started to roll over. And it had spent the year, if you look at a one-year chart, you can see the moving averages. It had spent a lot of time, say, between 220 and 260. Um, well, within the first uh, 10 trading days of October, it just got sold heavily down to 240. And you're thinking, okay, everything's fine. 240, you know, <laughs> back in the range. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're, we're not, we're not making any money now. You know, we're, you know, we're up, we're up a couple of percent. Uh, and then the, the correction got worse. And what did they do? They took this darling growth stock, which was trading over, you know, 30 times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I was telling people you could buy it at, at, at 45 times, yeah. but we had yeah. to re reset that. And um, and this was even before they reported earnings on November 15th. The stock just continues to crater. And by late October, during the heat of the correction, the stock went all the way down to 180, like one, actually 176. I, I actually sold on that day. It was like okay. I, October 29th, I think. Uh, we sold below 190 just because I said, you know what? If, if it cracks this level, it's going to go to 140. So I told my people... And then the stock sort of stabilized around 200 until earnings. Yeah. Earnings come out. What happens? Their revenue guidance was lower. 
They're not going to be selling as many cards. Right. Maybe it had something to do with the cryptocurrency revolution. <laughs> another Maybe. another bubble mania in yeah. its own right. Yeah. I mean, the Nvidia bubble AI mania it popped. Yeah. And I was a big believer. I'm glad we got out with very small losses because after that November 15th earnings report, the stock dropped from 200 down below 150. And now it sits here around 150 and people ask me, should we buy it? Right. That was and, my next question. And I say, <laughs> maybe. Right now it's a it's it's in the seller of the Zach's rank because right. the earnings so estimates have a five. Yeah. So I can't sell. touch it now. Yeah. I gotta yeah. I gotta wait until it stabilizes. But really, I was gonna write this to my people tonight. The stock is broken, and it's broken for three reasons. It's broken technically because it's come down through all this um all this price support that used to be there, and people were probably buying all the way down. People were buying at two seventy five, yeah, and they were buying at two fifty and two twenty five and two hundred, and now their hearts are broken, right? <laughs> and and this yeah. is what happens in manias. In and I think many uh, smart investors who've been around a long time and seen the Nifty Fifty and remember the dot com yeah. mania, they know that what you what can happen is you can take these stocks up for so far, and then they do take the elevator mine shaft down. Yeah, and, yeah. and once you break through all that, it, I mean, it's over. It's yeah, it doesn't, not, it's not coming back for years. Well, yeah, that was my next question. Cause I get asked this all the time on Twitter, um, especially by newer investors like, Oh, this is the buying opportunity. Shouldn't I buy the dip here? But this is a different scenario than yeah. what we've been seeing. And, and it's, and so I said, it's broken in three ways. Technically we can talk about that with, with the chart people yeah. all day long, Well, let's talk fundamentally. When the company had to lower their revenue guidance, that sort of changed the picture for growth investors. And some investors uh, were even heard to be saying that the CEO let us down because he yeah. he could have given us better guidance. Jensen Wong, yeah, and yeah. that and that maybe he led us up a right. steep slope that he shouldn't have in terms of the growth outlook. That really wasn't there, and now that's completely broken. There's, there's also, I mean, there's a lack of trust. So you can have, yeah. you can have traders saying, you know, technically you can't trust the this price chart, and we're not going back up to 200 anytime soon. And then you can have investors saying, maybe I don't trust the CEO. Also, investors don't trust the analysts. You know, okay. what about yeah. the analysts? You know, what about the analysts who are had price targets of 325 and 350 and 400 yeah, like the, the one, one I you mentioned. Just mentioned yeah, yeah. What, where, what was their math and these are these right. are not these analysts they're not um you know there's this there's this conception among some amateur investors that the analysts are corrupt right. you know they're just doing things for the bank yeah. and the funds but no they create models they create discounted mm -hmm. cash flow models and they say this is what I think the sales are going to grow like and this is in the discounted cash flow model just works back to say this is what you know, this is how I discount the future stream of cash flows. And and they put a certain multiple on what they'll pay for that. Now, if the multiple's too high, then everybody gets wrecked, right? If right. You know, if you're paying 40 times for NVIDIA and the growth story changes, now can you even pay 20 times for it? Right. And, and that's where it is now. Now it's down, you know, if they make seven bucks yeah. next year, then maybe you pay you're going to pay a little over 20 times for it. But the third way... Wait, hold on. Yeah. But don't the analysts also feel betrayed by management, not just investors? I, I think you, you'll probably hear yeah. an analyst say... Won't the, they and, get and more aggressive on the yeah, next conference they definitely call and will. start to dig around and not be as trusting? They definitely will. I don't... Yeah. You know, you're not going to have all the analysts step across a line and say, I think you deceived us or you no, did something wrong. No, never. But, they, but 
they might they're going to ask a lot tougher yeah. questions. Okay. Yeah. And especially if it's, you know, whether it's about the cryptocurrency business yeah. or gaming or whatever and and I thought Nvidia, boy, when they rolled out these new graphics cards, this RTX, uh which, you know, you know you love going to the movies and seeing special effects with with films, right? Well, that takes months to create some of those effects. Yeah. What Nvidia created with one of their graphics cards was real-time light and shadow um, replication. So in real time in a game, it could create light and shadows that were realistic that normally you would watch a, yeah. you're watching Jurassic Park or something. It took months to create that kind of rendering. The, the, these cards can do it in real time, which is amazing, right? Yeah. And it's still an amazing company. And what we, what we're going to, what artificial intelligence is going to be like 10 years from now will be amazing. It's just not time to be, you know, you, you, you're maybe you, maybe you can for the long term buy Nvidia under 150, but you're gonna have to hold it for a while, right? Because the the whole growth story has changed, and no, no investors are gonna pay 25 to 30 times for it anymore. Right. Or, this is the for a this few years. is why I wanted to bring up what happened with the Nifty 50 and with the dot com stocks because that is what happened. Everybody was willing to pay whatever price for these growth stocks and then like suddenly the switch went off and then they weren't. Yeah, the behavior model changes. And, yes. that, and that's my third way of describing how it's broken is because I always look at the market technically, fundamentally and behaviorally asking what will large fund managers do? What will they pay for? What's their outlook? And now the outlook has changed. We already saw cracks in the semiconductor cycle. You've talked about it many times in your show. Yeah. You were you were keen to sell your chip stocks I a was. few months ago. <laughs> and you said, I don't know for sure, yeah. but I'm weighing and this looks like this could be a short-term top in the yeah. semi-cycle. And yeah. that was the right call. I, I didn't follow you. I wish I did. <laughs> um, and so we'll be looking for, you know, you know, what is the outlook? I, I can't wait for Micron's earnings next month to see, you know, what's their outlook. And and with with talking about a global slowdown and trade wars, there's like no – it's hard to imagine an upside scenario for technology in the next year. Right. Now, long term, great. Sure. You own Apple. You own Micron. You own yeah. NVIDIA if you already own them. Um, but you may get better prices in the next 6 to 12 months. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. People think the turnaround could be swift, but it, it's probably likely not going to be with a lot of these names. Right. What do you think about like some of the FANG breakdowns that we've seen, like like Facebook, the breakdown well, Facebook, there? Oh my gosh, that's a unique story that is also broken in a in its own way fundamentally because. I mean, I, I really started thinking about this because I, I was such a big fan of Facebook and their dominance in digital advertising because I looked at it from the point of view of the small business because I knew because I was actually in a in a group where I spoke to and advised small business owners online how they could get customers on Facebook, how to how to actually yeah. do it and control their ad spend by targeting an audience and then getting money for their product, whether it's a physical product, a digital product, a service, whatever. There were thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs finding that Facebook was a way to find people. If there's 2 billion people on there, maybe I can find 1,000 or 10,000 that will be my customer, whether it's T-shirts or books or you know, yeah. therapy, whatever. And, and this was working. It was like this whole – it was like the gig economy you know, blown up. Yeah. 
And I thought, this will last for a long, long time. What's broken, though, is that even though Facebook tried to get ahead of it, you know, it, it, it's this it's this uncontrollable beast because when somebody can go on there and create fake news or, you know, whatever yeah. and, and use it in sort of dark ways, um, that's something they can't control. Even if they hire 10,000 more right. people to police it, they can't control it. Mm. And... And then you, and then I used to make fun of people who said, "Oh, I'm deleting Facebook." I'm like, "Okay, you know, find right. <laughs> find, it, find a different social network." Yeah. But now I, I start to see that it if it's sort of a dark cloud, it creates a bad feeling. It's almost like it, it has a toxic feeling for people. Like Facebook is watching everything I do. They have all my data. And now they have all these scandals going on. It's like I just want to. People just want to get away from it. It's yeah. it, it's not it's not rational. It's it's emotional. Like get me away from the get me away from the platform and get me away from the stock. Right. And I think that's why it'll be broken for a while. Okay. So I looked at their PE and they're trading around twenty four times, uh, and they've gone down lower. That's just the median for this year, but it's gone it's gone lower. And that's the cheapest since the IPO, which was only just in 2012. We forget, like they haven't been around that long, just six years, but they traded at 198 times on the IPO. Um, obviously the revenue model and everything has changed dramatically since the IPO. Oh yeah. I mean, they were doing 40 billion yeah. in advertising revenues a year and yeah. and more than that, they were going to re- they were going to hit 50 billion in advertising revenue. And it was just like, this is a machine just like Google that you yeah. had to own. Yeah. So it seems like it's cheap compared to where it's been and all of that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the stock technically is broken down now and may have more breakdown. And in full disclosure, I do own this one yeah. and, and <laughs> in I, my own portfolio. So I have been watching and, it like the rest of And I of said you. fundamentally broken. I didn't even use the R word, regulation. Yeah. They're going to have yeah. more oh, regulatory sure. pressure on them. That, that's not over. Yeah, both here in the U.S. and mm-hmm. in the EU. Oh, yeah, you were telling me this morning that Zuckerberg was supposed to appear before some European commission yeah. and he didn't even show up. No. <laughs> so they're not going to be pleased about that. Um, but, yeah, I but I talk with some of my friends who are in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area because I used to live out there. I lived out there during the dot-com boom. You do get um, – you get, like, inside the bubble, the tech bubble when you live out there, I feel. So I was kind of curious. I, I did email them, and I was like, hey, I don't – you know, they – watch Facebook and own that stock too. And I was like, what do you think of it here? I, some of us here at Zach's think the technical level is down to at least 104. And that might, that was a while ago when we were talking about that. So, um, I said, you know, we could see it go down to 104 and they were like, no, what are you crazy? I'm going to back up the truck. I'm going to buy tons. But this reminded me of the Microsoft buy I was doing in early 2000 as as the dot-coms around me literally in San Francisco were going out of business, I was buying Microsoft shares uh-huh. thinking that story would go on forever of what I just witnessed from the prior three years of living out there. So people have their own built-in biases too based on what they're witnessing. And how could you not if you're in the Bay Area and you've seen just the tremendous wealth and job mm-hmm. generation in the Bay Area over the last you know 10 years – and how could you think that'll ever end? Except we all were there when it ended in 2000. You know, and I want to step back. I want to make clear that that Facebook is still considered a digital advertising powerhouse, just oh, like yeah. Google. The, I'm looking at the estimates for 2019. So this year they're they're going to do 55 billion in 
in revenues, and ninety eight percent of that is 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 digital right. advertising. Right. Next year, we're looking at sixty eight and a half billion. Are that's still wow. the estimate? So that's twenty four percent growth. Yeah. Believe me, large investors. It doesn't matter if they were buying Facebook at a at two hundred or one eighty. They're buying it now, and they'll and they'll be buyers at at one ten if it goes down there because of that kind of revenue growth. And so, if Facebook can can fix itself, um, and and get back to its core of how to keep people on the platform and how to get advertisers to use it, then the business model is certainly intact. It's just going to be hard to own it as it as it. Uh, gets weighed down by the regulatory pressure. Well, that, and what about simply having to hire even thousands of more people yeah. to mo- self-monitor? Yeah, so the revenue growth is there, but the bottom yeah. line is going to get a little uh, smaller. Yeah, you're going to be <laughs> tight there. Um, so do you, you don't see Facebook as broken like NVIDIA then, possibly? I mean, in, a, in its own unique way it is. Okay. You know, and, and uh, NVIDIA is part of a, you know, of a hardware cycle, Whereas Facebook is part of a secular trend of more people coming online. And, and where is Facebook growth? Just like Netflix, it's overseas, right? That, yeah. That's where they're getting all the new people. Yeah. And that's how Facebook can say, oh, we have over 2 billion monthly active users. And, um, or maybe it's 2.5 billion right. now. Right. They, they can keep growing that. But then are those users that, you can, that people will pay for advertising to contact? I think... Net net, yes, because there's so many small businesses that can get access and so many large ones. Yeah. I mean, what worried me last year was when a big um, consumer products company like Unilever said, We're not advertising on Facebook anymore. Yeah. If you see any more of that, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. see the if you see big Fortune five hundred, Fortune one thousand corporations say we're not gonna use that digital advertising platform, then that's more trouble for them. Right. Except Unilever is clearly on Instagram. And Are they're, they? They're okay. going to be over there. Okay. I, I would be shocked to see that they okay. don't have their products on Instagram. Gotcha. So it's one thing to be like, oh, oh, we're going off Facebook, <laughs> but we're right. over here on Instagram where everybody is Which, as yeah, well. <laughs> and if you don't know, Facebook owns Instagram right. and, and has learned, is learning how to monetize that with lots more advertising. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about uh, some of the other growth names that are outside of FANG? Some of the ones have not broken down that I've been following. Like, Please tell me what they are. I like, need to buy them. <laughs> well, like <laughs> Planet Fitness for one. Okay. PLNT is that ticker. Um, this is one of Shiraz's. I went, I went to one of their gyms. Okay. And, and I thought it was a scam. I thought you did. Yeah. Why? Only because they're gonna they're gonna get you in the door for ten dollars a month. Yeah. And I just thought it was like this elaborate, um, just scheme. Like they're to just upsell you. Once they get you, yeah, in. and not just they you do have an upsell, and not just you personally, but you know who were their who were their initial investors? I didn't even know they were public at the time. By the oh, way, okay. I'm like, what are they going to do? They're gonna they're gonna set up these gyms, and it, 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 they're very. Um, it had this real plastic feel to it, like <laughs> they're like, basic. Kevin. Yeah, well, but no, but but like they were gonna they had they were gonna try and upsell you into some services, and they had yeah. you know certain classes and right. I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't seem like a serious gym at all. Okay. But. But it's working. It obviously, yeah. it's working. Yeah. So because they're they're I, opening up all over. Yeah, I haven't driven by one to see how crowded they are. Okay. Well, 
their last earnings report was real good. Oh. So the shares have really taken off, but are holding up at those highs. So this is one of the growth names that's holding Planet Fitness PLNT. And then I've talked about Etsy a lot this year because mm-hmm. I picked it as my top pick of the year early in January. Nice. So I'm going to advertise myself <laughs> because that is one I did get right on Etsy. And that one has soared triple digits this year. And is still holding on to most of that gain going into this holiday season. They should have a real nice holiday season. But they're not cheap either. I think they're over 30 times now on their PE as well. But you are paying for the growth story there. But I didn't feel like any some of these other growth names didn't enter into the mania of of some of the other ones. Or like, say, Weight Watchers. I don't know if you've taken a look at that one recently. Or WW, as it's now called. Oh, yeah. Because they're into wellness now. (laughs) WTW is still the ticker. But that one has been soaring for, what, almost two years now? Yeah. But it's really come down. I don't know if you've looked at that one. Didn't they have a a report that uh, the street didn't like so well? Well, they didn't like it only because now things have turned against the growth stocks, I feel, in some ways. Like, it was still the... The big subscriber edition, like it was still doing what it's done the other quarters, but now some people are starting to have some doubts, like how much longer can they keep up with the 20% subscriber growth? And now, oh, they're going into wellness. What's that about? And so those shares have really come down. I've been kind of eyeing them because I have been a buyer in the past in, in Weight Watchers. Yeah, but. and if you're a long-term investor and you want to nibble on some of these ideas, it's 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 great to have that flexibility and to say, okay, I like this. Yeah, put away. but are these different than some of the earlier ones we were talking about? Are these are these growth stocks different than the Nifty 50 kind of mania? Hmm. I don't think so. I think, it's okay. the, I think it's the same psychology. Okay. But, that's the way I mean. It's the same. They, the, so they've broken down too. So yeah, you know, whenever you have a uh, a euphoric bubble in investing, yeah. it's pr- it's pretty much always the same. People think this time is different, right. you know. And and I fell into that a little bit, thinking that this technology cycle could last longer, right? And you know, then it breaks down. Um, so it's like, you know. Yeah, the semiconductors aren't going to be leading the market anytime soon again. Yeah. It's going to be something else. You know, I just did a, um, for Zach's Confidential, I just did a report last week on Monday looking at what's what I call the recession watch. Okay. Because we have a lot of big fund managers and investors and strategists saying growth is slowing down so fast and the Fed is raising rates into that. Yeah. That we could go into recession because the rest of the world is slowing, is recessionary. Yeah, that 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 could spill over onto our shores. And how yeah. soon does that happen? And large investors need to think about that six to twelve months before it happens. Right. So, at my conclusion, I said, you know, here's all the the intel I'm watching, all the data I'm watching to to know, and what are the large investors watching who are selling? Because there's some like Dan Loeb. He runs a, a fund called Third Point. He's blat- He's out there. He's not on CNBC, but in his letters to his investors, he's saying, we are extremely cautious. We are lightening our portfolio. We are ta- we are increasing our short book, right? Yeah. And then you have Guggenheim. They run like $225 billion. He He's been, you know, cautious to bearish for many months about this collision. So at the end of my report, I still had to say, well, where could you put money now? And you know what stocks I picked? Johnson and Johnson, okay, Microsoft, oh, uh, J.P. Morgan, and Intel. Okay, I said we're in this correction that could last 
it could it could be very rocky and volatile into Q1. Yeah. But these are places I think that you can put money on pullbacks. Okay, I feel you... like none of those stocks have been in the mania. Even exactly. though even though well like Microsoft or even JP Morgan over the past 2 years have had nice returns, mm-hmm. but none of them have been like, you know, crazy valuations or no. anything like that. No. So that makes sense that some of these growth names or value as JP Morgan, I feel is a value name in there, but that they are in a little bit different category. Than yeah. Some that, of I mean, that, I, I'm just giving you an example. Yeah, how yeah. You're, you're asking me, Hey, what are, are there any growth stocks we can put money in? Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm taking a step back right. from that posture right now right. until large investors know, you know, what's going to happen with the fed and what's going to happen with the trade war. Yeah. Cause, the, cause that's kind of where they're at. They're in a wait, a real wait and see mode. And when you're in that mode, um, you know, the short-term plays with a growth stock are harder. Yeah. Now, I did look to see who was the best performer of the Nifty 50 in the in the time when there was the sell-off. And the out of all the names, um, it shouldn't really be surprising because it was kind of in its infancy. I thought it might be McDonald's, but it was not. But it was Walmart during that time period because it was still on the upward trajectory it was the growth name but still had huge expansion ahead of it if you think 19 early 1970s with Walmart they were basically just in the southeast at that time they oh, yeah. weren't even across the the country yet so still I don't even feel like I ever heard of them until the 1990s right exactly <laughs> so still huge huge trajectory and they had over 20% um, returns during that time, unlike some of these other names that yeah. you, some which didn't survive. So, and there's a <laughs> and there's a secular trend, right? Is um, you know we we'd had stores like Kmart, yeah, but which failed. But obviously, Walmart built a model for the superstore that they executed on. Yeah, yeah. and they they just kept executing. We're going to come in, and it's going to be the superstore for people to come do their shopping. Yeah, and so that worked. Through many cycles, yeah, through several recessions, yeah, but growth names look like could be a little rocky here yeah. for quite some time. I so think, I think so. So we'll have to keep an eye on what's going on with those. Um, by the way, Microsoft, I have bought it again. Just thought I'd reveal <laughs> right there. What could that mean? That could be bad. I don't know. But and this is before I even saw your Zach's confidential. So, but I bought it about two months ago for my own personal portfolio. Of course, it hasn't really done much at all since then, but it has been holding up pretty well. And I, as many people know, I like to dollar cost average. So I bought a very small position, and I'll keep adding to it as it goes along. Automa- do you do that automatically, or do you? I have done it monthly in the past. Right yeah. now, I'm kind of just doing it whenever. But mm-hmm. I have. I'll get back into next year doing it monthly buys again. So, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm not might, sure what that means. but I think uh, that might be a strategy for Apple, too. Because if Apple is yeah. – if people are saying, oh, this is the end of the, the latest iPhone super cycle and, you know, another one won't return for two years. Right. Well, then, this, yeah, the stock could go, you know, down to 140 or something. Yeah. And, but long term, I think you want to be buying it. Okay. Yeah, that's another one that people are real 
nervous about right. the big pullback. Watch Warren Buffett yeah. on that one. It's a hardware business. It'll never work. Right. Well, we could go. We could do a whole show on that because I have my theories on Apple, which I do not own, by the way. But um, yeah, that that one is definitely interesting. But it's it's got the value value valuations, so we're not really talking about it being sky high valuations. So there's that going with I it. I just hope it doesn't become another Warren Buffett mistake. Like IBM, IBM where, he, yeah. where he, he dove into tech again, <laughs> That's it right. d- didn't work, and then he's going to be selling it at 125 Right. Um, yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. So let's go over what stocks we talked about today. There's a lot of them. From the Nifty 50, we did talk about Johnson & Johnson. That's still around. J&J is the ticker there. Walmart is WMT. They're still trucking along. We had Microsoft, MSFT, NVIDIA, of course, NVDA. Facebook is FB. Uh, Planet Fitness, which Kevin doesn't like, but it's still got that growth trajectory. I have to do more homework there. In, <laughs> in, fa- in fairness to Planet Fitness, he you has know, to go, go mean, check it out if, again. Yeah, if those earnings are doing what you're saying they're doing, yeah, they are, they're obviously doing something right. Yeah, earnings look real good with them. PLNT is the ticker. Etsy, which should have a good holiday season. We'll see here, but that marketplace should be doing well with the online sales there. ETSY and Apple, which is is growth name is it a growth name do you consider it growth i mean Apple? you know it is i mean it, okay i think it's i think, we, I think it's got i think it's got an a score for growth okay. right now in our in our uh value okay. growth uh momentum I'm be watching scoring those system though for maybe yeah. possibilities of value yeah. trap and did you mention facebook fb yeah facebook okay. fb apple aapl so a lot going on and we'll be covering all these stocks and more going into 2019. This is the exciting time of the year for the podcast because we have all of our outlooks about what's going to be going on or what we hope will be going on in 2019, what's happening with the stock market, with these growth names. And I'm on recession watch. He's on recession <laughs> watch. I'll have him come back on because that's going to be the big topic going into 2019. Will we be right? Will we be yeah, wrong? Yeah, I mean, you know, November know. is when all the big investment bank forecasts come out yeah. for the next year and sock gen is out the the sock gen strategist last year in november he said s p 2500 is the top okay he was early okay. but it, but it turns out he was on to something about the slowdown yeah. even before we had the first correction and now he's calling for s p 2400 Ooh, which is okay. i don't think i don't think we go below there really but it is possible that i'm looking for a Q1 correction that could see S&P 2400 as all these worries get washed out. Because the, okay. the trade war thing, everybody's – you have investors going, oh, uh, the president is going to make trade peace any day now with yeah. China. Yeah. China looks at things completely differently. The, the, right. They're looking five to yeah, ten years this is a, down. This is a, how, many, how many millennia old – is this culture, you know, thousands yeah. of years old. Yeah. They're very patient people yeah. and they know how to go to war and they have a long view and – and just like Jack Ma said, this is going to be a 20-year war. It's going right. to have a lot of battles. It's going to have a lot of surprises. It's going to have some stalemates. It's going right. to go on for years and years and years. So that being said, since you just said that, <laughs> um, we'll give away a little bit of a podcast we're probably going to be doing. But does that mean we get the tariffs on on in early January, the 25%? I think so, based yeah. on what you just said. Yeah. Who's going to blink first? It's not going to be the Chinese. I don't think they I are. I don't think President and Trump it, will it, either. And if they if they do make some kind of short-term deal, so they 
both can save face. Yeah. Because China's economy is is struggling a little bit it too, is. and their stock yeah. market is in another bear market. Right. So if they both want to do something short term to save face, uh, maybe that'll last for a little while. But okay. it'll just I think it'll keep flaring up every okay. year. All right. Well, we'll more to come on that. We'll also be having John Blank on board to give his outlook for 2019. I think every year for the last two or three years, we've done a recession watch show with him. Oh, good. And so far, he's kept saying, no, there's nothing on the horizon to show that we're going to it. It's not in the data. And the the Fed's going to keep raising rates. Right. So I think it, 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 that's why large investors, they'll keep being cautious, selling the market down and, They'll wonder, hey, will the Fed stop raising rates if we take the S&P to 2400? Probably not. No, no. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, a lot going on. You don't want to miss a single episode. We're going to cover all these topics and more in the next couple of weeks. So you want to subscribe. You can get the Zach's Market Edge on Apple Podcasts, of course, and we're on SoundCloud. But be sure you get it so you don't miss a single episode. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.